Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Friday, January 12th. Every tech company is looking for ways to incorporate artificial intelligence into their products, and they could be using your personal data to train AI. How concerned should you be about the safety of your personal data, and how can you protect your info? We discuss with tech journalist Marcel Gagné. Earlier this week, UK and US military forces launched airstrikes against Houthi militants in Yemen. We get details on the operation from Global News Washington Bureau Chief Jackson Prosco. And finally, cold temperatures mean staying inside and finding activities to keep the family entertained. We get some great board game suggestions from Gord Johansson, owner of The Sentry Box, a Calgary-based shop with over 7,000 games. Every tech company is looking for ways to incorporate artificial intelligence into their products, and they could be using your personal data to train AI. How concerned should you be about the safety of your personal data? Joining us to discuss is tech writer and free thinker at large, Marcel Gagné. Good morning to you, Marcel. Good morning. How you doing out there? Good, good. Oh, well, before we get into the specificity, that's I have a hard time with that word, Marcel. <laughs> we talked about this yesterday, too, so it's a continuation, um, uh, about a, a tech giant like Microsoft maybe using this thing. Uh, are we not fools to begin with to think that anything we do online could be gleaned for other purposes? I love the fact that you used a word like fool here because I would have been a little more careful than that. But yes, we are actually. <laughs> uh, the, the fact of the matter is every company that you interact with on the Internet is tracking you in some way, shape or form. There have been rules put into effect, like, for instance, the uh, European Union's GDPR, for instance, that it's supposed to make it clear, for instance, that these sorts of things are happening. Um, but we continue to hear about what we may not know about another, like, you know, how you get those little pop-ups that say, you know, uh, to use this site, you need to have cookies mm -hmm. enabled. Yeah. That's part of the GDPR rules that were placed uh, into effect to make sure that we knew that these sorts of things were happening. So if you're living in a connected world, if you're interacting with a store, a, a news company, a, um, a YouTube, Google, Microsoft, you name it. Yes. Uh, you are being tracked. There is information about you being collected. So can you break it down, Marcel, then? Like, how is Microsoft going to take this information? How are they incorporating AI into their products and how that might then, you know, interfere with our privacy? Well, first of all, AI is one of those lovely things that, you know, everybody seems to think came out of nowhere about a year ago. November 30th, of course, is when ChatGPT was opened up to the world. But the fact is, um, AI tools and uh, training systems using AI systems has been around for many years now. Uh, we just used to call them algorithms, like, you know, uh, the algorithms that uh, Netflix uses to give you the next show that you want to watch or that... Um, uh, YouTube does exactly for the same reason and so forth, or you get recommendations for certain stories when you're on Facebook. All of those things are, if you'll pardon the expression, artificial intelligence algorithms that use your personal data, like your viewing habits, your surfing habits and so forth to show you the next thing, whether it's a product or whether it's the next video or something like that. So how, how concerned should you be about your privacy? That depends on how you define your privacy. <laughs> mm. Mm. Well, it is it, Microsoft in focus uh, right now. And by the way, we're speaking with Marcel Gagnon, tech writer and free thinker at large, freethinkeratlarge.com, the website you want to find him at uh, for more info. Uh, but Microsoft's not the only uh, big brand that might be doing such a thing, is it, Marcel? 
Oh, no, of course not. Every major tech company that you can think of, and of course, every major tech company is, you know, building more and more capable AIs all the time. And in some ways, we kind of, I mean, we all want these things. I, well, okay, not everybody wants these things, but most of us want these things. Most of us want um, the ability to have access to these services, to, to be able to interact with something that understands what our needs are, and to be able to respond to our needs, and to be able to, you know, do our work easier than the way that we did it yesterday. Yesterday, and so on. So we want those things, but somehow we want them without us having to be involved in the process in some way. And this is actually what's happening to be able to train these systems. And by the way, to just to answer the question flat out, yes, of course, Microsoft is using your personal data. Um, Mozilla is uh, like the, the, the jump off story for this, I believe, was Mozilla asking Microsoft, are you using our personal data to train AI? And they say we had four lawyers, three privacy experts and two campaigners look at Microsoft's <laughs> new service agreement. And our experts couldn't possibly tell what well, then your experts are like, they're what they're doing first of all mozilla is a very good company that is very interested in privacy in fact they have a page that maybe you can link to your users or let them know about or they can search for it called privacy not included in which they list a whole host of products and this is on mozilla.org by the way a whole host of products that either collect information from you every time you use it, like your dishwasher or your refrigerator that's got a little screen on it, that sort of thing, and those products that don't, if you are in fact concerned about your personal privacy. So, I mean, really, we're, we're all, we're in this, it's not gonna change. So is there any, maybe some specific language or, or words that you think we should be watching for that might be maybe raise a red flag for us at home? Um, I don't know that there is any because the the companies that you're going to be noticing the most are the big ones, the Microsofts and the Google and so forth. And despite the fact that, yes, they are collecting all these vast amounts of information, they are actually also fairly responsible in the way that they do it. For instance, you probably heard the term PII or personally identifiable information, which is things like your actual name, your actual age, where you actually live, your actual phone number, all those things that identify you as an individual okay they're very careful not to use that stuff i'm not saying that accidents don't happen i'm not saying that sometimes they don't make mistakes i mean we hear about data breaches all the time for instance but the fact is they're very very careful about all that stuff in reality the truth is what they're interested in is a vast number of people doing things simultaneously on the internet. And then of course they build little models about you specifically and how to respond to you specifically, but it's not you they're interested in. It's you as part of a community, as part of society. Mm. And because remember, they need a huge, a vast amount of data. You as an individual don't really contribute much. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you only contribute when you are part of billions of people. So, uh, Marcel, aside from, you know, staying off the social, the social <laughs> media platforms completely, is, is it on us, the users, to very much decide what we're putting out there and those sites we're going to? I, I guess maybe do we look at a burner social media account if we want to check things out, or do we just make sure that we have everything locked down? Does that even matter? Or just select those things that we're putting in for our information, for example, very specifically? Well, uh, let me answer it this way. A number of years ago, I decided that anything that I post online has to be public, anything. Because 
it's going to get out. I mean, the likelihood is it's probably going to get out. So you sort of should go into anything that you do on the internet with your eyes open, thinking, yes, it's entirely possible that somebody is going to is going to read something that I said 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And, you know, you've seen stories like this in the news, you know, because it's going to happen. What can you do? You can use privacy enabled type browsers like Mozilla, for instance, uh, has a browser that's very, um, you know, that's very strict in terms of privacy. And, and if you download that and install that instead of the um, instead of Google Chrome or um, or you know uh, I was going to say Bing but Microsoft's Edge browser or Opera or any of the other browsers out there you can actually make things a little bit better use a VPN if you're concerned as in which is virtual private network which will root and encrypt your data through various servers around the world and so forth if you don't want to be tracked that way the other thing that you can do is what you just suggested don't use a real account. Like if you want to go online and you're trying to do something sensitive, first of all, use a privacy enabled browser, go through a VPN and use not your personal account that you use for, you know, shopping on Amazon, for instance, use something entirely different. Um, beyond that, all you can do is not subscribe to this, you know, to services like um, OneDrive, for instance, or Google Drive or things like that. Because as soon as you do that, you become part of that ecosystem as soon as you use one of those products where the key words are we are collecting information to improve your experience okay the only way they can improve your personal experience is by collecting information mm. on you <laughs> yeah I mean, it's a fascinating discussion, right? It really, it does make you think, which is why you're a free thinker at large. We love that. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, Marcel. Really appreciate your time this morning. All right, you take care out there. I hear it's uh, it's pretty nasty. Thirty-two hour wait for a tap for a tow. My yeah, God. I mean it's only about it's only about more, minus forty-five with the wind chill. It's not that big a deal, Marcel. You know what? I will not complain about the weather here right now at all. <laughs> Thank you so much, sir. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks, Marcel Gagné, tech writer, Freethinker at Large. You can go to his website, find out more. Freethinkeratlarge.com. Yesterday, the UK and the US launched strikes against Houthi militants in Yemen. Joining us to discuss the latest is Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Good morning to you, Jackson. Good morning. What do we know at this point? I know it happened late in the day about these strikes in Yemen, a coalition comprised of the UK and the US. What, what can you tell us? Yeah, the U.S. and U.K. bombed about a dozen sites inside Yemen. They had warned that this was coming for the past few days because of the Iran-backed Houthi rebels within that country uh, continuing to take action against ships in the Red Sea. Uh, the Houthis have claimed that they are simply trying to stop any and all ships that might be bringing supplies to Israel, and that this is a response to the Israeli response to the attacks of October 7th. Uh, but many of the ships that have been targeted have no connection to Israel whatsoever. And so the U.S. and its allies have repeatedly warned the Houthis to cease these actions. Uh, there were drone strikes. There were helicopter attacks on vessels. Uh, we should also point out that Canada was part of the coalition that uh, took part in this yesterday, although the extent of Canada's involvement is not yet clear. That's something we'll likely get a little more information on today as the day wears on. Jackson, we have a terrible phone uh, connection, so we're going to hang up and call you right back. Hopefully that works okay for you. We'll see if we can get a better phone connection um, and uh, talk a little bit more about what exactly is going on down in the United States. So Tony's working on that right now on the board. He'll get Jackson back for us so we can continue the conversation. Yeah, I want to hear uh, details about this because it's, 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 it's almost, and I'm not making light of it, hard to keep tabs 
on these different international conflicts happening in front of us right now. It's so true. There's so much going on around the world. Yeah, so so we'll uh, get up uh, back up with uh, Jackson in a second. Um, And I'm I'm curious as to whether or not maybe Jackson has some insight for us, whether this is a one and done or the beginning of something bigger. Is this sending a message? And there was word about commercial ships in the Red Sea uh, being under siege to some extent. With drones and missiles. Absolutely. And this is, when you talk about Houthi uh, militants, we're not talking about uh, kind of a, 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 if you will, backwoods uh, sect. They do have the technology to back what they're doing nefariously. And uh, a high-ranking Houthi official vowing retaliation that is beyond the imagination and expectation of the Americans and the British. So it could get pretty serious in that zone. Sounds like we've got Jackson back again. Jackson, are you there? I am here. Oh, you sound much, much better. I'm sorry. Can you just kind of go through uh, that again as to what she spoke about? Yeah, absolutely. These uh, strikes took place last night uh, from the U.S. and U.K., and uh, this had come after the White House and its allies had issued a final warning to the Houthis to cease these attacks. Uh, The Houthis have been saying that they are attacking ships that are headed to Israel, but that hasn't been the case time and time again. And uh, so we've come to this point now of strikes. Uh, The Houthis say they will retaliate, and of course they've got the backing of Iran. So it does raise the question as to whether we could be headed to a wider conflict in the region. Uh, And we should also point out that Canada was part of this military action, but the extent of Canada's military action or contribution here uh, isn't quite known yet. We'll probably get more details on that today. Thanks for that, Jackson. Amazing. Um, yeah, we, we're going to be seeing, is this just the, the the one and done type action, Jackson, from what we're hearing? Or could we see more? Do you think there's more planned with these uh, this coalition comprised of the U.S., the U.K., and as you say, a little bit of Canada mixed in? Yeah, I mean, Pre- President Biden says the uh, coalition will not hesitate to take further measures after these strikes. So I think it really depends what happens next. Is it safe for maritime traffic to proceed through that area again? And do the Houthis or do Iran or do someone else retaliate against the coalition? That's what will decide what happens next. Let's bring it back a little closer to home. What can you tell us, Jackson, about the latest appearance in court in the United States by former President Donald Trump this week? Of course, the question is which one, because there were two of them on Tuesday. He was in uh, Washington arguing that he should have immunity against prosecution for his actions as president. This has to do with the January 6th case brought by special counsel Jack Smith. And Trump's argument is that he should be immune from prosecution, that what he was doing by trying to overturn the election was done so in his official capacity as president. That's an argument that the the lower courts have rejected, which is why he's now in front of an appeals court. Uh, The ruling will obviously determine if any of these cases to do with Trump's actions while in office can go ahead. Uh, Pretty wild, you should point out, that Trump's own lawyers effectively argued that a president could order, uh, you know, the assassination of a political rival and be covered by immunity unless they were impeached and convicted in the Senate for doing so. That is a, uh, an incredible interpretation of presidential power. Uh, we have to see if that one ends up before the Supreme Court. And then yesterday in New York, the civil trial against Trump's businesses proceeded as well. It was closing arguments. Trump actually gave about five minutes of his own closing arguments, went on a bit of a tirade, and the uh, judge had to uh, tell Trump's lawyers to control their clients In that case, Trump has already been found guilty of committing a fraud for inflating the value of his assets, and what's left to be decided is the penalty. He faces up to $370 million in uh, uh, civil penalties that he may have to pay out, and he could be barred from doing business in New York as well. So for Trump, that case is really, really personal. The judge will decide in the next few weeks 
what the end result is here. Okay, t talking the court cases that uh, former President Donald Trump faces, uh, as far as his quest to, to return to the White House, uh, who is the biggest threat to challenge Mr. Trump's presidential bid at this point, Jackson? Well, within the Republican Party, it's probably Nikki Haley, but I think we'll have a better idea over the next two weeks. The Iowa caucuses take place on Monday. That's really a fight for second place at this point because Trump is so far out in front. So whether Nikki Haley or Ron DeSantis come in second will give you a sense as to whether their campaigns have staying power. And then the week after that, it's in New Hampshire, where Nikki Haley is actually polling fairly close to Trump. And Chris Christie has now withdrawn from the race. His supporters are probably most likely to go to Nikki Haley. And it's an open primary, which means that Democrats can vote in that primary. And there's been a move to get Democrats to vote for Haley as well to upset Trump. So I think we could get a, a really interesting sense in the next few weeks as to whether anyone has the power to take on Trump. That being said, don't bet on it. I mean, he's polling so far out in front, and even Haley and DeSantis at this point are effectively backing Trump. They're saying, look, if he wins the nomination, they'll support him. They're not really running an anti-Trump campaign. They're just running as alternatives. Him. Americans are fascinating, Jackson. Uh, let's talk about <laughs> Alaskan Airlines. In the news this week, a piece of the plane blew off. They, they call it a plug, but basically it's a door forced an emergency landing. What's happening with Alaskan Airlines right now and, and what they're doing to address safety concerns? Yeah, so the uh, 737 MAX 9s remain grounded in the U.S. It's having a big impact on travel. There's almost 200 of them in service between Alaska and United Airlines. So we're talking uh, hundreds of flights per day canceled, thousands of travelers disrupted. The latest is that the uh, FAA says it's now going to increase oversight of Boeing uh, to essentially audit the manufacturing process here and see how these planes are being built and see if there's an issue with quality control or with manufacturing. Because you have to remember that the plane that this happened to was only a couple of weeks old. It was a brand new plane. So that leads to speculation that it's not so much a design flaw because this style of plug door has been in use for a long time. Uh, it is perhaps more likely to be a manufacturing error. All right. It's been a busy time. Thank you for your time, Jackson. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. You too. That is Jackson Prosco, Global News Washington Bureau Chief. Been talking about it all morning long. It is cold out there, bitterly cold. Maybe you want to hang out in the house this weekend, so find something to do with the family. Maybe a board game of sorts, something along those lines. Well, that's probably what a lot of people are planning. So, how about we check in with our friends at the Century Box this morning, joining us with his picks of maybe some great ideas for you and the family to keep yourselves entertained and out of the cold. Gord Johansson is joining us, owner of the Century Box. Hi, Gord. How are you this morning? Good morning, Sue. I'm actually inside and nice and warm, so uh, I'm happy. I'm glad to hear it. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, Andy and I did a tour of Sentry Box a couple of years back, and it, yeah. uh, we were blown away. Tell people what the Sentry Box is, what you do, and what you offer. Uh, basically, we're a very large game store. Um, we've got in the main store about 13,000 square feet, and there's 6,000 in the uh, card section. We sell Board games, role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, little miniatures, historical games, science fiction books, um, dice, so many dice. Um, it, it, that's kind of most of it. There's a lot of stuff in there. 
Gord, board games uh, haven't gone anywhere. They, they, they remain a fabric of society, a chance to, you know, get together with family or friends, challenge one another just to have a good time, maybe blow off some steam. Uh, but obviously in the gaming world, uh, video games uh, came into fruition and very popular. How would you describe, if you had to say to somebody who's played a lot of video games but hasn't spent a lot of time in the board game world, uh, what, what, what is the difference and why do you like the board games so much? Um, partly it's my generation, but mm. nowadays there's such a surge in it uh, because people are just tired of looking at the computer screens all day. And they want to socialize in person with people. I mean, everybody has friends online. It's great to play with. I do it myself when people have moved away. But there's nothing like that in-person experience, you know, with friends. You can you know, sit there, have a barbecue dinner afterwards or before. It's just that's what we need is that, that contact, I think, that yeah. personal contact. I agree with you on that one, Gord, for sure. Can you give us some, some of your top picks, maybe one for teenagers, one for kids, one for adults kind of thing, just to give us an idea of what you've got in store? Um, there's a couple for, uh, you know, smaller kids at three to five, uh, Animal on Animal, Monza, those would be awesome ones. Um, other kids' games, you know, for a little bit older, uh, there's this one I have no idea how to play. It's called Taco Kitten Pizza, but my staff, <laughs> <laughs> the name itself is probably worth it. Um, you know, more, for a little bit older, um, there's another one must be similar called Taco Cat Goat Cheese Pizza, uh, which uh, one of my staff's kids literally called Hold Ass Stupid, but so much fun. Um, I have not tried that. Azul is another one that is just a beautiful game that, you think of more of an adult game, but uh, uh, it's uh, uh, good for, I'd say, older kids as well. Um, Carcassonne and Old Standard, Settlers of Catan, those are nice, safe bets. Uh, Carcassonne is nice because it's two to five people. Um, the Ticket to Ride is another Old Standard that is really good if people are not into games. We call them gateway games. If you want to get into more dedicated ones for adults and you're already a gamer, um, there's things like Voidfall, uh, which is a brand new one, something called Maple Valley, Creature Comforts. Um, those ones I have not played because they're Kickstarter releases. And uh, uh, that's kind of a quick assortment. Even if you've got some of them, there's like 7,000 games in the store. So there's always Ooh. something. <laughs> 7,000. Holy different moly. Different yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think it, it particularly, whether it's the family, extended family or neighbors coming in by, it's my experience that I think you, you have to know your audience when it comes to the board games. I'll give you an example, Gordon. I want you to speak to this if you can. That Like, I don't want to play Settlers of Catan or I don't want to, you know, get involved with Risk. If I only have 45 minutes and I've never played such a game, it might take too long to explain. Is that something you've got to really look at with your audience? who are going to be playing with you? Yeah, it's definitely, games are kind of like a wine collection. You know, you've got different uh, tastes, different uh, people drinking it, um, the selection of and the time it takes to do it. Uh, the complexity is probably the biggest thing, and as you said, the time to um, teach somebody it. I mean, there are games that, no, you're not going to get done in 45 minutes. Carcassonne, Sure. That's one of those things, or maybe Statler's might be a little bit longer, but not much. That's that 30-minute to one-hour thing. You need to keep them simple. Spot It was another one that's kind of a fun, weird one that uh, is a steady seller. 
Well, the good news is we're going to be locked in our houses for hours, <laughs> hours on end, so we can continue the game right, right from Friday, Saturday, Sunday. What the heck? I'm, uh, uh, by the way, on Gord, I'm on sentrybox.com, the website, and I see that you've got a demo games library as well. So you, you've got a bunch of games that people can just try out in store free of charge to see yeah. maybe what you like and what, what, what it's all about. Yeah, there's a couple hundred of those um, sitting there. People can just sign in or they can show up like on a Monday night on a board game night, which is and just where people play upstairs and you know they can sign games they can bring bring their own uh, which is what most people will do but uh, you can do that anytime in the daytime uh, as well it's probably less crowded in the daytime but yeah there's a big library at least a, I don't know 100 200 games I can't keep track anymore incredible and again perfect for a cold weekend Gordon the best part is you're not having to hop online you can actually stop by the sentry box check it out you know ask questions to people like yourself and your staff we're going to direct people to sentrybox.com that's s-e-n-t-r-y box.com thank you so much for your time Gordon keep warm all right it was nice chatting with you too again take care Gordon Johansson is owner of the sentry box